Welcome to the Anxious Filmmaker Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Broadhead. The goal of this show is to teach you exciting new ways to make more money while still having plenty of time and money left over to create all the amazing movies you've ever dreamed of making. We'll be interviewing wildly successful entrepreneurs and amazing movie-making filmmakers to figure out the best ways to make a lot of money and the best ways to use that money to create great films. Thanks for tuning in, and please check out at the Anxious Filmmaker on Instagram to see short videos of all the best moments from this and every episode. Now let's get the episode started. In addition to filmmaker and entrepreneur interviews, this podcast will sometimes feature several specific segments. Today's segment is Stonk Tonk, where two imbeciles with no formal training in anything remotely related to finance wax poetic about how to the moon stocks will go, such as GameStop, AMC, and any others that show up on Wall Street bets. We used to be long-term investors, and then we got caught up in the hype, lost several thousand dollars in the process, and now consider ourselves, well, morons. But excited morons. Follow our advice at your own peril. Before the episode starts, I want to invite you to FamousFounder.com to sign up for a free 30-minute webinar on how podcasting can build you a huge crowd of customers. During the webinar, you'll learn how to turn one podcast episode into a month's worth of Instagram content, how to book celebrity guests to be on your podcast, the best ways to massively differentiate your podcast, how you can use equipment you already own to record high-quality podcast episodes, the best way to design eye-catching podcast cover art, plus a question and answer session at the end and so much more we will also be giving every viewer a special gift at the end of the webinar and if you can't make it to the live session just make sure to register and we'll send you a recording of the webinar so you can watch on demand please go to famousfounder.com to sign up for the webinar now let's start the episode awesome what's up everybody we're back for another episode of stonk tonk i'm here with my main man jonathan g broadhead and my main dad, Babathy L. Broadhead. Uh, we are missing one key member of the posse, Michael Perinich. Perinichio, I believe is the correct way to pronounce it. He is trying to convince his youngest son that, uh, that it is, in fact, 9 p.m. Eastern time, but he's having a hell of a time to do that, thanks to the time change. So, John... How was your yes. week of stonk tonking by yourself? Well, I uh, tonked some decent stocks. Uh, yeah. I, well, my portfolio uh, went up a little bit, about uh, two percent. So yeah, not too bad. Wait, you say nineteen percent? Two percent. Over the last week. <laughs> hey, nice. two hundred bucks. What was Hi. such a driver yep. of growth? Hmm. That happened every week. You'd be up a hundred percent every year. That's true. Uh, looks like uh, actually the Arc investments uh, started going back up, which was oh, nice. Did JP talk you into those as well? Mm-hmm. He talked me into those. Yeah, uh, that the uh, Vanguard mid cap did well, and Disney did really well too. <clears throat> so those are my my top five that started kind of coming back. But yeah, I mean th- th- these are my kind of long term plans i I haven't done too much of funny money gambling Mm -hmm. if of uh just choosing different stocks and seeing uh actually looking to them see if they actually are worth anything like 
this Roblox thing. Yeah, I bought two of those. Yeah. I think I bought them at the Mega Peak. Probably. <laughs> I, I just watched uh, I watched that YouTuber Joseph Carlson. He did mm -hmm. a whole thing on like Ark invested uh, five hundred thousand shares of it, and how like that investment is never going to like come to fruition <laughs> just because of how they're so incredibly overvalued right now. Mm. Like for them to, what, their comparison is, uh, what the hell is that other company? Pets.com. Pets.com. The comparison was pets.com. Was it really? How, I just made no. <laughs> yes. I was, I was kidding. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it has two in the name. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but basically that company is like, revenues in like the multi-billions of three to four billion per year and roblox didn't hit a billion dollars yet and somehow they're valued at double what that other company is <laughs> mm. so you're saying i'm a genius for investing in them <laughs> i mean honestly i well the whole thing is like they're, they're still good they're they're in rapid growth mode they're, they still mm. haven't actually turned a profit all of their they have their revenue sales have been going up and up, but they've been spending way more than they've actually been earning. So eventually they will kind of plateau out and start making some money, kind of like what Tesla did in the beginning, everything like that. But just the return on investment that you're investing in now, there are safer bets ultimately. So yes, you're gonna get some money off it because they're gonna grow and they're gonna do really well, but yeah. the other options you have out there are probably more valuable to you. Yeah. Um, I got turned on to Roblox by reading the CNBC homepage. So thank you, Dad, for that tip. Uh, and and see, I read a whole article about them. And apparently their long-term play is to create the Oasis from Ready Player One. That's like, that's what their value hinges on. Well, yeah, I mean, they're basically, well, it, it's different than that. They're, they're the YouTube of video games. Oh, that's, they, a, that's an interesting way to look at it. They are the place to say, hey, we're going to host all of the environments, everything like that. You just build the shit and then sell some fun extra things. We'll pay you for that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that it's it's basically like the same exact concepts as YouTube, but for video games. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, uh, John, are you on TikTok? Nope. No. Uh, I feel like TikTok is taking a huge, a huge chunk out of YouTube's business. Uh -huh. Why do you say that? Uh, okay, so you're not on TikTok, so you don't understand. I literally just got on like a month ago. Um, but TikTok is the greatest way to discover things that you weren't aware of before. Because everything has to be 60 seconds or less. And all you do is just swipe up. It's like a it's like a dating app for content. All you that do reminds is me up. of Fahrenheit. Four, four, five, one, or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> Why? Well, because the, there's that whole uh, monologue of the the firefighter who's just like, yeah, well, people got bored of just reading the newspaper, and so things just got quicker and faster, and so there was never any actual meat to any story. It was just ended up being headlines, and then people discussing headlines of headlines. Mm -hmm. So you actually never understood anything. You just wanted the quick hit. Oh, that is a thousand percent. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but dude, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's amazing. It, you can like, 
it, it has like its own video editing software within mm -hmm. the program that's like super intuitive and super easy. Um, and it, it, it's just, it forces everyone, every user who wants to create content, it forces them to become a short filmmaker. And I think that's, that's kind of like game changer like youtube like you have to know how to edit with like final cut or premiere or something yeah um, yeah people are I mean, so I, goddamn creative and hilarious no i mean I, I i i can understand like the concept of that but like to actually get relevant information it does take a little bit longer than 60 seconds but i mean outside of that like yeah you can probably make a billion dollars off of tiktok but are there even ads? Like, how how is that even monetized? I don't, I don't there understand are ads. that. Yeah, probably like every twentieth TikTok you see is like a sponsored ad. But even the ads are awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, then how would you kind of correlate that to a particular channel? Or I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's some sort of algorithm or something that kind of gives you the the creators uh, some sort of. Yeah, I think it's based on the the. Uh, content that you like and the creators that you follow, like that kind of dictates what TikToks you see or the algorithm so, shows you. Just turns into another Twitter or Facebook where you're just in But this. like it's better. <laughs> like, like okay, the... Because right now it's so new that it doesn't know you yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so the, the big differentiator I would say for TikTok like that separates it from every other social channel is you don't have to follow people to like find their content like on, on instagram you'd have to you know someone would be like oh you gotta follow this instagram and then like short of that friend telling you to follow that person on instagram like you're never gonna find their content but tiktok is just like hey maybe you like this shit yeah here's here's like 15 to 60 seconds of their content you're like this is great or this sucks and you just <laughs> go from there dad cool. uh what what was exciting uh with in your world with the stock market this past week uh absolutely nothing it was all about real estate oh yeah you're, you're buying a house <laughs> yeah yeah how's that going uh very scary <laughs> yeah very very scary because the uh, agent we were using to buy the house was assigned to us by zillow Oh, and no idea who she was. And uh, every communication with her was sketchy. So we wrote out our check uh, and a commitment for three quarters of a million dollars. And uh, she didn't communicate. And so I called the broker. And um, that when I rang his phone number, it said, this number is no longer in existence. Mm. Oh, no. So then I drilled down into uh, the internet to Google the guy, and I found a second phone number, and it, it said, this phone number is no longer operational. Oh, and then I'm thinking, oh, this is not good. And so then I paid $20 to go into one of these things where they drill down and find more information about the guy. Oh, geez. And uh, I found a phone number that worked and I called him. And uh, he went, I said, oh, hi, this is uh, Bob Broadhead, your buyer. And, you know, I just thought I'd call and introduce myself. And he went, oh, yeah. Oh, 
what? <laughs> so he was even sketchier. So I got him talking. Finally, found out he was in the Navy on a destroyer during the uh, 1990 Gulf War. And he was poisoned by fucking gas from the oil wells on fire. And that one of their ships accidentally shot down an Iranian civilian airliner and killed 224 people. Oh my God. Talk about some stock talks. <laughs> so he's a, a history professor at a local college, junior college. Mm -hmm. And so we, we talked about Mark Twain, his favorite author. Uh, I got him talking. Once I got him talking, then he finally spilled the beans on the sellers, the buyers, all that shit. So turns out he's legit. He just works part-time. Mm. Pretty much closed down his office, works from home. Mm. All of his numbers went went dead so, so he didn't run off with three quarters of a million dollars <laughs> oh it's at a it's at a flaky little uh title company with only three people in the office mm. so everything uh was coming up flaky but it looks like it's getting more solid that's good so time will tell well yeah. shit so, that sounds awful yeah, well, um, let's add a little more icing to the cake. Uh, we're getting ready to get this house to sell. The roofers are coming and putting a new roof on it. Then we're going to list it. The agents tell us that there's only 14 houses for sale in our zip code. And we're the only house above 2,200 square feet. So she thinks there'll be 100 buyers. Last time this happened on the first day they had a hundred people wanting to buy the house Holy shit. Wow. so we're, we're gonna sell this house and then the the person selling us the new house could blow up and then we'll be homeless <laughs> hey, why don't you I, list it for like eight hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sellers market I mean, people are people are bidding up the prices on houses and they're paying more than like 30, 40, yeah. 50,000 dollars. A house recently, they paid over $80,000 more than the listing. Oh my God, that's crazy. That's cool, so, hey, at least inflation doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> that's what we were just talking about on the phone. Uh, you know, part of it is inflation, right? And the other part of it is um, just the markets being ridiculous as it relates to real estate. Yeah. So Bob, you think the market's gonna pull back at some point with real estate? Oh yeah. You think yeah, it's going to hurt? Not for another, you know, six months, probably. Because there's the uh, the big uh, transition happening, the evacuation from California, and people headed to Texas, Idaho, Florida. Uh, so Florida's real estate now. <laughs> yeah, Florida's real. Well, maybe just lagged behind. No, Florida's real estate's moving up quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just telling people that I was just saying that basically you're in everything's inflated like three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Like across the board. Like my house, I could sell it for an additional like three hundred thousand dollars. But where do you move? You should do that. Yeah. You slam it all in the GameStop. Obviously. Well, what? 
<laughs> you should sell yours and buy mine for five Yolo. I should. Yeah, I mean, you pra you practically lived there when you were a kid. That's true. <laughs> the problem is, is I know how much semen's in that house. <laughs> yeah, but day. You know how much of it is yours? Probably 30%. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, John's you about 50. The gay oh, yeah. whale. What's that? You heard about the gay whale? <laughs> Dad, are you trying to get us canceled? Yeah. <laughs> Dad, that's, that's a quick way to do it. <laughs> canceled. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll skip yeah. that one. Dad, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you might want to skip all your jokes. <laughs> hey, you know how I know my roommate was gay? <laughs> See, now this one's fine. No, <laughs> Obviously, if you're a connoisseur and you get a seasoned palate, you can tell us the rest of it. <laughs> you have a cold sore and it's kind of sore. What'd you say, Michael? I said, I said, if if you're a connoisseur and you have a seasoned palate, then you can tell us the rest of that story, John. Your palate has a sore on it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, apparently, right when you arrived, uh, well, actually, JP, finish your story. Art, do you think you'll be able to close on the house or no? Yeah. Well, the guy was pretty confident. We actually rode our bikes over and talked lady down the house and she's packing boxes he says she's really slow mm. and we gave we her... didn't intimidate them by riding a bike over there yeah yeah we didn't our bicycles. Your power your physical power. two dollars it was good so we think it's uh it's gonna go through we think it's gonna roll uh but he warned us that she was very slow to list and uh but she's got her kids helping her pack her boxes up Mm. And the, the falling down around her, so she needs to get out of there. Yeah, it may, maybe it's like one of those uh, seat yourself restaurants where if you just kind of like stare at the people that are done, <laughs> they'll like yeah. get up and leave quicker. So maybe if you guys just ride by every day and menacingly look in her windows. Hey, oh, hey, John Paul, maybe um, if she's hot enough, she can just stay there. Well, know? she's five years old, you know, so. I said, is she hot? <laughs> Age is irrelevant. Lumberg fucker. Um, I mean, yeah. I, you know, don't never mind. Um, hey JP, I want to ask. I want to ask a quick question. Sorry to cut you off, Pernick. Yeah, uh, yeah. JP, is a house a good investment? Ooh, and that's a good question. I don't own a house. John owns a house. Michael owns a house. You. Uh, own a house currently you may be homeless soon multiple houses <laughs> is a house is a house a good investment well okay let me give you an example so let's say we pay 250 for this house and then we put thousand and remodel the kitchen and then we put uh 25 into fixing pool and then we put 10,000 pool deck and then we rebuilt the roof two times so that's thirty thousand dollars and um then we repainted it several times inside now that's another fifteen twenty thousand dollars 
So uh, if you add it all up, it's about a break even. And then on top of that, you get to pay, um, let's say you get to pay uh, $6,000 a year in real estate taxes and $3,000 a year in insurance. So that's between nine and $10,000 a year in um, uh, reoccurring expense. So uh, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a funny wash. Now, the one good thing is when you sell, the government gives you the first $500,000 of profit on your house tax free. If you roll it into another house, right? No? The first $500,000 but isn't there additional rule that if you roll it into another house, like you don't have to worry about capital gains? That's rental property, yes. A 1035 exchange rental property. You can skip the capital gain on if you're rolling a rental property into another rental property. But the personal first personal residence gets 500,000 of long-term gain. Uh, actually, the first thousand dollars of profits tax forgiven tax-free. So that kind of uh, takes up some of the slack on all the expenses of owning a house. Mm -hmm. Say, but house is not a good purchase for a young person unless they're anchored to that location for minimum five years. So if there's a chance that your career is going to take you away from a location in less than five years, you shouldn't own a house. Is that due to the amortization schedule? And it's due to the variability in the pricing of real estate and the chance that you could lose $100,000 in three years when you go to sell. Or four years. I think, a lot, I th I think a lot of people are going to be losing their assets. I, at some point, I, I just believe that you get a uh, backlog of 10 million people who are not paying their mortgage. And let's say half those people, you know, generously saying that half of them are just not paying because they don't have to, right? They're taking advantage of the situation. Let's just say, I don't think it's half, but let's just say for the sake of this conversation, even if half of them default, there's going to be a flood of the market of homes that people are being kicked out of because they can no longer afford them. And I think that that's going to cause a change in the market regardless of where you are. Well, I think that's gonna affect mostly the uh, entry level houses, the first time buyer houses, the under the 2000 square foot homes. And all of those are being snatched up by corporations that are building this into portfolios of unit investment trusts, of REITs, of residential houses, in which they buy them cheap, they fix them up a little bit, they put tenants in them and rent them and then they package it up and sell it and it becomes a a uh, an income property REIT real estate investment trust trades on the New York exchange or do you feel that REITs are decent investments as far as the uh, ones that trade uh, not especially now interest rates are quite low so the the return on investment is, is 
based on the overpricing of the the underlying assets. Not not the greatest. So I purchased. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Well, Mike, finish your thought. I was gonna take it in. My my thought was I purchased uh, Washington Prime Group um, some time ago on uh, Exchange, and I it went up uh, significantly. It was I purchased it for like I don't know three dollars. Oh, there was a reverse split, and then they declared bankruptcy. Um, and I pulled out like right before I lost any money. I actually sold a few off so I didn't lose too much money. But I thought, you know, I, I'm going to stay away from these REITs. I just, my feeling was a lot of the commercial real estate has gone bye-bye due to the COVID. And I thought people are going to start re-inhabiting these places. Amazon's going to buy these buildings and store their boxes there or whatever. So my thought was, okay, maybe I'll so throw some money at those things in hopes that the real estate goes back up for especially like commercial and everything. But uh, I, I haven't seen that really. There was another one, Pennsylvania, something uh, yeah. Pennsylvania real estate investment trust, which I purchased some of that when it was like dirt cheap, but um, was that a B and O railroad as well? Yeah, it was uh, Baltic Avenue. Uh, I mean, Mike, like these are kind of short-term investments you're looking at. I am assuming like, have you yes. thought of the, these other organizations? I mean, I know uh, Realty Income uh, themselves, uh, stock ticker is O, they have a really good dividend and they have actually been doing really well over the last, uh, I mean, they had a huge drop obviously in the beginning of 2020, but I mean, they've pretty much stuck pretty strong to uh, all of their investments. They, they own a lot of, what is it? Uh, a lot of commercial real estate places, like I think they had like some JCPenney places. They had some like Macy's places. They had a lot of places that like were in malls and stuff. But I, they have a whole bunch of like small shops as well. And so maybe yeah. like the actual uh, company itself may not grow too much. But if you're looking for like a dividend investing, like that is a fantastic opportunity there. Yeah, I would have to disagree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What do you know, JP? As an example, so the, the ConnectWise and the company you work for, John. Oh, um, a lot I will not be the, named here. <laughs> a lot, oh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of the people that work for that company are working from home. Correct. So the building is more vacant than it should be. Well, it's being underutilized. Yes. Right? Yes, okay. that, 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 that is those offices. I'm talking about uh, storefronts and, and things yeah. that actually have had to have foot traffic in. Real estate in general. So now COVID ends in six months and everybody's got their vaccination. What percentage of the people that work from home decide to go back to the office? Given uh, the choice, they don't have to go. They can stay home. 40%. Okay, so... That company is now holding excessive real estate for the needs to 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 produce their product to sell their products. We're we're discussing very different things. So so Raymond James has uh, seven thousand employees in St. Petersburg. Well, there's about five hundred people in those three office buildings. 
And when they, they, COVID's over and they allow people to come back, it's estimated only 50 to 60% will come back. Well, they're gonna have three buildings. They're only gonna need two at the most. So who is gonna come in and fill those buildings? Because this is happening all over the country that employees are choosing to work from home. And when a company has the opportunity for you to pay your own goddamn rent, instead of the company paying rent, they're gonna say, well, let's save the money. So this is gonna produce a, a gigantic over volume of you know, uh, vacant commercial real estate. So it's not easily gonna fix that problem. That's a you're, problem. You're talking about office space specifically. I'm talking about foot traffic stores like GameStop, like Walgreens, like uh, the malls, like things like that. So what's happening in retail? JC Penney's mm -hmm. on the verge of going bankrupt. Well, I, yeah, that was a bad example, but still. And and sounds looking good though. Pandemic, everybody learned how to buy um, from Amazon, say, or buy from Walmart delivery or from Target delivery. <clears throat> As those stores do more delivery, they need less store, less retail store. So okay. all real estate to me is a bad investment for uh, for the foreseeable future for the next two or three years until that reaches equilibrium as the demand for those empty spaces uh, comes back. So I think it's one of the worst things is commercial real estate. How, how do I share my desktop on this? Uh, I might have to there we go. It. give you permission. Oh no, it should be good. You, no, you, you disabled it, apparently. Oh, okay, there you go. Try now. At this point, you're, oh, you're not using your cell phone. So one of the investments I was looking into is Realty Income. I mean, they have a, a great dividend. And then one thing to know about REITs is uh, they are, uh, they don't pay any taxes. On, on uh, they don't pay or, or what's the word for? But basically, they push the taxes onto you, and so they have to pay ninety percent of their earnings. Earnings, in, the form in order of for them to, to not pay taxes. And so this particular company, Realty Income, uh, I mean, they own shops like their the biggest holding is, is Walgreens, Seven Eleven, like all these stores that are always going to be in need. They're, they're these small pharmacies, small uh, shit. They own Home Depot, 22. They hold AMC. AMC, FedEx, I like it. Dollar Tree, LA Fitness, like all of these things. And so stuff like that, like, yeah, sure. Office buildings, I 100% agree. Like, yeah, there's no reason to ever invest in that because right now well, that, that is never coming back. The realty income might be the exception to the rule because these are not buildings that have been vacated because of COVID. Right. So they're still operational. But one of the problems with REITs is in the chart. It's not, uh, it's, in, it's not in the income. So unless that income can go up on a regular basis, the NAV of the ETF or the price per share, if you look at a 10-year chart, oftentimes is flat or can even decline. So if you were to bring up the 10-year chart 
on that read. It may not look very impressive. Now, if it does go up, if it's rising, then it, it might be a, a decent read. But the only REITs that drag up their value are the ones that have stores that raise dividends, raise their mm -hmm. rents uh, consistently enough for the NAV to go up. And so what's this time frame? So this is what, since uh, 94? John, you should have invested in 2001, man. You really I know. messed up. You should have invested in 95. <laughs> <laughs> or in the beginning of 2018. Okay, so from 2010, it went from about 20 to today. Yeah, about 25 to 50. I mean, it's not so, a yeah. ton of growth, but... No, but, but the so, thing is, like, th this is one of the big dividend yields because look at this. This is almost 5%. Yeah. So this is this yeah. is a solid company to invest in just because of they have always done a very, very good... Uh, well, dividend. That's actually the rule. So that one is a, is paying a five percent right. and just to go up. So I would any kind of dip, I'd buy that one. Yeah. For income, uh, but you know, at your stage of the game, I might be looking more at yes uh, growth. But I it wouldn't hurt to put a little bit of that in your portfolio. Yeah, yeah. I mean. That's a good one. You did good research on that, John. <laughs> hey, hey, John Paul, I have a question for you. Um, when you were a uh, stockbroker, did you do any uh, options trading? They're called stonks, Mike. Oh, uh, stonks trading. Oh, Stonk yeah, options. Some of my uh, associates did covered call writing. And if you look at covered call writing, generally what happens is the the investor gets a higher income, but he loses some principal over time. So mathematically, it's it's not good. Um, Sensationalize it's attractive. Novice investors often get sucked into covered call writing, um, and so they're not bad. They're just not very good. Have you done any in your personal portfolio? I've never done it myself. You've never because lived. So the history of covered call writing. Yeah, the options trader, you know, can uh, can kind of take advantage of uh, the situation. And so you end up spending your principal uh, thinking that it's pure income. And oftentimes it's only partially income from the option writing and the rest is uh, losing value of the portfolio. So you can bring up any mutual fund that's a covered call writing mutual fund and over a 10 or 15 years, not a pretty chart. It's usually disappointing. Hey, Dad, I want to ask you a quick question. Mike, are you good? Are you set with that last question? That's good. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Dad, quick question. So like we've had a lot of uh, chats about buying a house and you've always been like, I don't think it's the best investment. Why did you buy a house? What about three houses? <laughs> Cause at some point you did own three houses now. Oh, I think he owned four. Four? He had two rental properties. 
Dad, do you hear me? Yeah. Me? How many houses do I have? No, why why like you you've told me over the years like buying a house is not that great, especially for someone with my alternative lifestyle. Um, why yeah. why did you buy a house? If you're not anchored to a location for minimum five years, yeah. the chance of losing that house is just as likely as making money on it. Mm-hmm. If you own a house for five years, the probability is it's going to go up enough to pay you back for that holding period. Say, but, but why did why did you buy a house? Like, if well, because I knew I was stuck here. Yeah, I was I was with the company, and I was going to stay with the company for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And I stayed twenty five years. Yeah. So, okay, so, so at that point, it made it was a good investment for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't the... make money on every property I had, but between the utility of a house is you own it, you don't have to call a landlord when something breaks. You just get it done, and you get to reap the benefit of long-term capital gains, which is tax-advantaged when you sell, or uh, more recently, tax-free on the first five hundred thousand. Um, that's an advantage. Say. So the cost of owning a house and the cost of renting a house are fairly close. Okay, for most people, unless you're shrewd like you've been. Um, so given the opportunity to buy a house only if you're going to be there four or five years, uh, if you're going to be there less because you don't know your career might change then renting, uh, which is to give up the appreciation, but also give up uh, the chance of losing money and not have to pay the extra bills when the real estate taxes go up and yada, yada, yada. You might see a slight increase in rent over time, but, you know, you don't get hit with, you know, big expenses. Mm-hmm. But you, they, you purchased two investment properties, right? Which you rented out. What was the thought process behind that? Ooh, good question. I had five or six. Like I said, I, I built a couple of uh, houses in, uh, you know, up in Tarpon, um, down in South Clearwater. I built a, a duplex, and then I, I I bought a new house in Holiday and rented it. And I I bought a, a couple of fixer uppers, so I bought a lot of real estate when I was uh, in the eighties, uh, in the nineteen eighties, uh, because uh, it was basically Chris's college fund. And John's college fund. So I bought. Wait, you gambled with our college fund? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I took ten thousand dollars and I bought a lot in uh, Tarpon Springs, and I built a house, and that was for Christopher. And then I, two years later, when John was born, eighty-seven, I bought another one. And so those houses I kept until they were going to college for eighteen years, and I sold them. Quick question: and, What's it like? having money when you have a kid well okay if you don't have money and you have a kid it's it's a nightmare (laughs) cool if if you have it and you have enough money to pay for most of the stuff it's 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 not uh terrible uh but that must be nice boomer it was the mercedes 80s baby yeah, money was just falling <laughs> from the sky. 
<laughs> yeah, like yeah, every uh, everyone I know who kind of worked hard in the eighties, like made tons of money. I was like, yeah, I was just there, and I made three hundred thousand dollars a year. And they're like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you lazy millennial. That's literally impossible. <laughs> hey, well, uh, uh, to to, uh, to I, zoom in on this, Dad. What? Why did you invest in a house? for us kids. Why didn't you just put that money in the market? Well, I both because, you know, I had uh, enough income to do both things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I had a history of making money in California real estate. I lived there yeah. because I was buying fixer-uppers uh, for 50 grand and painting and carpeting and selling them for 80 grand. Mm. And then I'd buy another one uh, so I had three or four homes in California and I would just, but I knew I was going to be there five years or longer. So uh, California real estate was moving up, uh, not at a fast pace, but at a predictable pace. And there were fixy uppy houses that I could go in and paint them myself, get them recarpeted, make them look pretty, rent them and the rent would pay the mortgage and a little bit extra. And then three, four, five years later, boom, I'd sell them and uh, make a little cash. So I didn't make a lot. I made about between 15 and 20% net. So I, it wasn't huge. Could, could you still pull off that same shenanigan today? Uh, no. No? Because the flipper market that got really, really sophisticated. Yeah. My sister Edie knows how to do it. So up in Tennessee, she's doing it quite successfully. She's flipping houses. Mm -hmm. She's using a very sophisticated uh, leasing buyback uh, format. Which is and, to have like a billion dollars and be like, hey, we should buy these houses yeah. and uh, you buy yeah. it from us. Doesn't even have enough money to do what she does. She just has a line of credit. And um, she- yeah, John, right. Dee doesn't have any money. Well, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. She has other people's money. That's all that fucking matters. She what has, she has other people's money, John? Because nobody yeah. knows me. <laughs> well, that's why you're on Stone Tone. I know you. <laughs> I know you, and I'm still not giving you my money. Money, please. <laughs> well, John, you've accumulated a lot of money just the old-fashioned way with your 401k yeah, and it's your selling own. your body. You've done well. <laughs> <laughs> i mean wish it was he's better got, okay he's got uh, nice so body. We, got, we got 10 minutes left uh before i pull the plug on this yeah you still talk about real estate or you want to talk about stocks we're excited about yeah let's stocks. talk about some stocks we're excited about all right parent right. why don't you go first no problem um <clears throat> i came i went i saw and i came again i obviously Still riding GME, AMC, obviously, um, and and reinvested hot in take. those. Okay, hot take. A very hot take. But I said this two three weeks ago. Apps, APPS, digital turbine. Um, this company I still think is undervalued. I bought a bunch at like seventy five at the height of the market. <laughs> and then uh, it took a nice dip uh, last weekend or last week uh, or the week before last. 
and it went down in the mid sixties and I bought a bunch more. Um, it's now up at $87. So I averaged down to about 70 and I've made some decent money on this. This, um, the stock was uh, like a month ago was about, was rolling around at like $95 and then all the tech stocks went down. So, um, I'm pretty bullish on this. I think it's going to make, uh, some good jumps. I think I was talking to a buddy of mine. I think that, uh, it may get close to doubling by the end of the year. So I've already made a decent amount of money on it. So, so I'm really down with that. And MVIS, I think is going to be a good stock. So more tech stocks, obviously, but, uh, and Carnival is doing well for me. So, I, and I'm going to keep riding that. I, I sold Goodyear tire and, uh, cause that, merged with Cooper and I made a decent amount of money on that. So those are the ones I was, uh, I'm kind of excited about. Like, where are you getting all these stock tips? Every time I talk to you, there's like nine new stocks. I've never heard oh, you talk about before. You should see my portfolio. It's just like, it's like, you just keep scrolling. <laughs> um, honestly, I'll talk to someone and like, they'll tell me something like John told me about, Oh, and I'm like, ah, I could probably put a few bucks on that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, oh, shit. <laughs> but like, honestly, that's how it is. Like, um, if I like the way it looks and I like the way it sounds and I do a little bit of research and everything kind of pans out, I think, ah, well, that sounds I good. Mean, like, but, but the thing, the question I have you for you is just like, what is your research? Like, how, how do you actually validate stuff? Other than like is that? someone saying, Hey, this sounds cool. And you say, Hey, that chart looks like it's going up. Sounds good. Like, how many uh, times do you have to explain this to John? Like, research is not fun. Uh, no. <laughs> what does it look like? I mean, here's here's part of it. I'm, I'm going to be real honest here for a hot minute. <clears throat> Someone I know who's made a lot of money in the market. Like, I know a few guys like that. They've made a lot of money. I had Blake a buddy. Gallagher? Yes. Blaze Gallagher. <laughs> he, um, it, I made, <laughs> I was talking to a buddy and he was telling me, he did a lot of options trading and he's very into the market. And he's like, Oh, you should throw some money into DraftKings and bets. It's a ETF for like online betting. And, I, and I'm like, Oh, well this guy, he knows a lot. Like this is all he does. So like, he wouldn't just tell me to put money in it. And I don't put like ton, I'm not putting like a hundred thousand dollars into it. I'm putting like a couple bucks and it, if I make like 40, $50 and I do that a hundred times like a year, I mean, that's a little bit of money. It's enough for a Quick car payment. Uh, that's a lot of money. It's $50. I, I, oh God, I hate that. I, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I bet you also hate having fun and betting on Super Bowls <laughs> <laughs> and going to the hard rock. <laughs> it's, it's, so just just a bad investing idea. Like I, I don't know. Like like how are you going to consistently be able to get the same returns you're trying to do right now? Like hey, yes, you know these people right now in this moment in time, but you're you're losing money because you're not. Let me stop games. you right there. How many GameStops do you have? Yeah, yeah. none. Thank you. Zero. Thank I you. own zero GameStop <laughs> right now. It's That's just your like, problem. The thing that kills me is, is like you know nothing about these companies. Someone says, hey, this sounds cool. That's yeah, great. Dude, so you, you don't know when to sell. <laughs> Like these people have bought <laughs> oh, into it once earlier, so they've already gotten gains and common gains against gains. And sure, it may go up a little bit higher, but you could fucking lose 
all everything you invest in that. You lose um, 50s of dollars, Perinic. Well, here's the thing is that I, I do some research. Like I'm not doing any research. Um, I do some research. I just wouldn't say that I'm like, you know, you laid out a nice process of going through research last week. And I think that that's good. I think if you're going to put like five grand into a certain stock, you should do that. But like, you know, you talk to uh, a few people, you do some research and the, honestly, one of the things I like to do is I like to go on like Stockwitz and Yahoo and see what people are saying about it. And I know people are pumping up the stocks and I know people are pumping down the stocks, but sometimes numbers. people are passing on good news. And so if you look at some of the news that people are talking about, and then you look at it to substantiate it, you'll find that like, oh, okay, this is interesting. A lot of people are talking about this and sometimes it's legit. And but other times whole, it's not. The whole question is like, you don't know when to sell on these stocks. You know nothing yeah, about the business. You know as nothing soon as about doubles, any of this stuff. <laughs> like clockwork. <laughs> um, I mean, who knows when to sell? This is, this is one of these questions we got to ask John Paul. When do yeah. I pull out? I have three kids. I'm still trying to figure out when to pull out. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's, that's a question. But like I said... Avoid the issue completely. Wear a condom. <laughs> <laughs> now he tells you. Fuck. Wait, what's a what's a condom? <laughs> Not a sailor. And how do I invest in it? <laughs> are, you, are you telling me to invest in condoms? What's <laughs> really big? Sell from a naked spread. <laughs> it's a it's a naked call all right all right cool so we got we got about three minutes left before i'm pulling the plug on you shenanigans all right what do you guys uh, think of these uh nfts these uh non-fungible uh tokens yeah, john you're excited about that tell us why you're excited about that uh well i mean i i just literally just started looking into it recently basically non-fungible tokens are a form of Bitcoin in a way where it's just like, hey, we're going to put a super ridiculous serial code on this particular piece of digital art. And now that code is is your proof of purchase. And so my idea with that, I, I, I know next to nothing about this, so don't take it with a grain of salt. You fit perfect in this show, John. Excellent. <laughs> is that like, how would that not be fantastic for if, hey, I bought final fantasy 7 on my playstation 17 but i want to give it to my grandson because it's the greatest game of all time mm -hmm. like i here's my nft for that now you have that and i can use naked whatever that's like fucking genius because like i've bought so many of the same movie i've bought Dark right four times four I've fucking times it or it comes out in a better version and it's like if i could just buy that once and then like oh Chris owns this movie. That would be awesome. Exactly. So like, that's my concept of NFTs right now is like that the way to actually pass on you, the shit you actually buy that's digital in, in real life, but like being able to give it to whoever else you want, like that is the GameStop of fucking the future. <laughs> All right. So put more money in GameStop. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I'm curious about and see how that goes. Yeah. If I was done, I would put a little bit of money on a couple of those and just uh, watch them. Well, what sucks is is NFTs like it's a specific Bitcoin itself. Like you can't actually just buy like oh. an ETF of different Bitcoins. It's like, hey, it's you a bought phone. a Banksy picture. That's it. Well, uh, who's gonna run it up? The uh, fucking Mark Cuban. 
Mark Cuban. <laughs> um, it's good. The GameCube. At all, unless it's uh, something of <laughs> notoriety, value, or um, common knowledge of appreciation. Well, I was trying to find like like the, the the technology creator, but because it's open source, you can't invest in it. It, it that's the thing that's killing me. It's just like I want to invest in that technology, but you can't. Yeah. Well, John, make something that makes it so you can invest in that technology. <laughs> I'll, I'll invest yeah. in it as long as you tell me to. <laughs> my, Mike thought about it and he's in. I'm yep. in. <laughs> That's all I gotta hear. <laughs> I mean, like if I look at if I look it up and it has more than five employees and like a market cap of like over fifty bucks, I'm in. Even that's kind of like overboard for research that that we generally recommend. All right, it, I mean, was, it was officially time to call the show. I want to I want to just check in with JP real quick. JP, what are you watching with the market for this upcoming week? Oh, anything fun? Um, hmm. Well, uh, I'm thinking about uh, dividend stocks. Mm. Uh, and Keep boring, in mind he's seventy. Like VYM and VIG dividend stocks, mm -hmm. and hoping for a, a pull down there to get in because they're. they're Whenever you see the market go down, like technology is going down, but the dividend stocks are bucking the trend and going up, then uh, you're sort of, uh, it's the hint of a rotation away from the high growth sector into the traditional uh, recovery stocks, economic recovery stocks, like dividend stocks. Mm -hmm. So it could be uh, the, uh, the beginning of a, of a, the long rotation into traditional, uh, you know, stocks and away from the super high growth technology stocks. So now, buy more would, Tesla. Yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would be steering clear of the super uh, radical technology at this point, unless it took a real big nosedive, then I'd jump in. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Hell yeah. Love it. All right. Well, this was fun. You guys, let's do this again every Sunday night that, uh, y'all can, um, love you. Mo efforts. I love, uh, love you too. My friend. Peace yeah. out. Thanks for doing this. Out. Later. Guys. Thanks for having me. Later dudes. See ya. To see the complete show notes, specific links to everything mentioned, and videos of the 10 best moments from the episode, please go to anxiousfilmmaker.com. Now let's go make some great money and then some even greater movies. Yeah.